Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. Located less than an hour from New Orleans' French Quarter, Baton Rouge, and the Mississippi Gulf Coast, St. Tammany Parish has long been a favorite vacation spot. The piney woods, fresh air, charming historic towns, and of course the delicious food has beckoned visitors for over a century. This week, we're taking you along on a special excursion where you'll meet some of the most colorful characters in the food business today. We begin at Chifunctus with Chef Michael Gottlieb, who's introducing a whole new level of fine dining right there on the riverfront, where his downstairs eatery, The Anchor, provides more casual dockside food and drink. Then we're off to Liz's Where Yat Diner to meet the inimitable Liz Munson who offers a very special kind of family-style hospitality, along with a killer crab meat grilled cheese sandwich. We'll experience some authentic German-style fun at Horst Pfeiffer's Middendorf's, and then catch up with Sarah and Billy Rieger to learn the story of their dream restaurant, Rieger's on the Trace, which unfortunately couldn't survive the pandemic. We're crossing the causeway in pursuit of some delicious fun on this week's Louisiana Eats. I'm Michael Gottlieb, the Executive Chef and Operations Director of Chifunctas and the Anchor in Madisonville. Michael Gottlieb began his culinary journey the day he was born. One of the fifth generation of a family of bakers, Michael grew up at Gottlieb's, a famous Savannah, Georgia bakery his great-great-grandfather founded in 1884. After culinary school, Michael's career took him to New Orleans, where he worked for the Ralph Brennan Restaurant Group and later ran the Rib Room in the Omni Royal Orleans. Michael ended up returning to Savannah before a two-pronged dining concept on the banks of the Chifuncta River lured him to Madisonville. Housed in the same building, Chifunctas is a fine dining restaurant located on the second floor, while its casual dockside counterpart, The Anchor, has a come-as-you-are vibe. We joined Michael in an upstairs private dining room overlooking the river. I asked what motivated him and his partners to open the two restaurants in St. Tammany Parish in 2020. 
we wanted to give the North Shore something that it didn't have, which was a great restaurant, lots of great restaurants on the North Shore, but we wanted to give it not just a special occasion destination, but we wanted to give it a, a, a different feel. We wanted it to feel worldly when somebody walked in the door so that they didn't have to drive the causeway on any given night. They could just come to downtown Madisonville and have a great meal um, with great hospitality and a, and a great environment. And the ownership of the project, uh, that, that was their goal from day one. That is what they set out to do. That's what they wanted to do. And in the beginning, I just got involved in this as a consultant, as somebody that was going to help develop the kitchen, the menus, find the right chef, hire the right people, and then move on, because that's what I've been doing for a number of years now. And I uh, really love that aspect of it, because you, you can build the dream, right? But then you can kind of walk away when it when the stressful part starts. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, when developing this one, such ties to Louisiana, um, loving Louisiana and loving the area that we're in, um, about halfway through the development part of it, um, we all kind of looked at each other and said, we need to do this together. And so then we put together a way to do that. And and for me, it's about growth. It's not just about one restaurant, it's about multiple restaurants. And it's about being able to express myself in different ways with food, right? So one restaurant doesn't necessarily do that for me, but two sure does. And we have two on site here. So one that pays homage to New Orleans and Louisiana um, with you know uh, lots of different fried seafoods, um, po' boys and things like that on our first floor that's very family friendly. And that's the anchor. And that's the anchor. And then Chifunct is upstairs, which is, I, I say it's a nod to Louisiana and uh, a lot of worldly influence. So American regional worldly influence with a nod to Louisiana. Well, yeah. we may be in downtown Madisonville, but it's feeling very midtown Manhattan here <laughs> to me, I must say. <laughs> it, it does feel that way. And, you know, that's the best part about it. Like for me, building a restaurant and creating these spaces is really about uh, – the hospitality side of it being able to take you away to something else right and to make you feel different than the restaurant down the street and that that's what we set out to do at the beginning of this and sure it's lots of mountains to climb but uh, everything's falling into place and it's going really well would you give me an average rundown of a week here on the Chifuncta River at the Anchor and the Chifuncta and tell me how it goes? Sure. The Anchor is full steam ahead, Wednesday through <laughs> Sunday. The second that the doors open at 11, the restaurant fills up. And it usually stays that way through lunch during the week, and then it fizzles out towards the early evening. Um, but come Friday, please be prepared. The Anchor gets very busy. It is a river bar, so you have to remember that it's a river bar. We usually jump to an hour-ish wait midday, and then come evening, we're around the hour and a half mark. Um, so if you're coming, plan to come, great. Just bring the family, chill on the playground, have a cocktail while you're waiting for your table, and expect to be here for a little bit. And, and that's what we want. We want that family vibe, that family experience. We want the people to come and to spend all day here, and, and they do, and it, it's really nice. Um, and then Chifuncta is the opposite of that. So it is an intimate dining experience. Uh, we do have a, a, a lovely bar that we welcome people into all hours of the day and want them to feel at home. And, uh, you know, in regard to the dining experience at Chifuncta's, we let the guests dictate what it's going to become. So they can go as slow or as fast as they want. We'll do as many courses as they want. There's fun spots to eat at, like the chef's counter, where we give little lanyaps along the way. So you order two courses, three courses, you might wind up with five or six. And it's stuff that we're playing with for the next menu or for the next night or whatever it may be. And then uh, full service uh, dining in the bar as well that we leave first come, first serve. 
As I looked around the private dining room, I couldn't help but notice wine lockers boasting patrons' names etched into bronze plaques lining the room's walls. That, along with the huge wine cellar, told me this was a place well steeped in wine culture. Our wine locker program is a lot of fun, and you're right, the restaurant's steeped in wine and beverage. Uh, the, the goal is uh, to make everybody feel at home and the people that want to be here to give them a way to be here on a regular basis without you know breaking the bank and without them having to travel that was the key so we do have a wine locker program uh, it comes with lots of little perks along the way and you can stock it with anything that you want walk in we, we have people guests that come in on a regular basis on thursday afternoons open their wine locker pull a bottle go sit at the bar the bartender pops it for them they might have an appetizer they might not but it's a great watering hole for them they get to come meet their friends, hang out, or we do wine events for the people that have wine lockers where they can buy at restaurant pricing and stock their locker and there's no corkage with us at the restaurant if you're a wine locker member. So that is a very cool, cool aspect of it. I love the way that you have combined so many different um, international and American food directions um, all in a Louisiana way. Tell me about the menu development and some of the things that are special and unique to Chifunctas. Well, I try to leave it open, right? So the preparations of the food, just high quality ingredients that we source um, and spend lots of time sourcing them. So our chili and sea bass, for example, is one of our favorite dishes because we're flying in fresh sea bass we, we treat it very simply, and that's kind of the philosophy with all of the dishes. We stay true to the ingredient, and we want the ingredient to shine. So our, our thought process is if we're spending so much time sourcing the ingredients and spending so much time curating the items that are going to go on the menu, we need to let those flavor profiles shine, right? So we complement them, but we don't overpower them. And whether it's an Asian flared item or something that's got a little bit of a Louisiana twist to it or something straight up American like our... Uh, my, one of my favorites is the panade veal chop. So um, it's almost like eating veal parmesan, and it's styled that way, but uh, it's a very refined version of it. So uh, for me, veal parm isn't necessarily an Italian thing. It's more of like an Italian-American thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've put our twist on that with the mascarpone ricotta tortellini on top. The cheese is stuffed into a pasta that when you cut it open, it kind of bursts all over the veal chop. And then there's a tomato butter sauce underneath it. So when you take a bite of the veal, the tomato butter, and the tortellini, all of a sudden you have veal parm in your mouth and it's just a, a spectacular dish. Well, you certainly have set the bar over here. I'll say that. And in that bustling kitchen that we passed on the way in, it appears that you have assembled quite a crew. Tell me about some of the things your kitchen crew is doing that maybe they haven't done here on the North Shore before. Sure. Well, you, you mentioned the, the crew, and let, let's talk about them for a minute, because without them, this doesn't exist. They, uh, I'd say five of them have worked for me for a multitude of years. So um, my butcher, Saucier, uh, worked for me when I worked for the Brennan Group, worked for me when I ran the Royal Orleans Hotel, and has moved to the North Shore to be part of this project. Um, one of my culinary interns from the Brennan Group is here as one of my sous chefs now. Um, so to be able to take people from my past and put them in positions and to have worked with them along the way into this situation has, has been great, right? Because they know who I am, they know my style of cooking, they understand what the final goal is of the restaurant, and that makes it really nice. But so we, we are one 
100% from scratch kitchen. We make all of our pastas by hand every day. Um, all of our breads are made in house. You know, literally every ingredient that we utilize. I keep using the word curated because we're not just going out and buying items. We're hand selecting our meats that we put into the dry age cabinet. We're hand selecting the fish that come in on a regular basis. Um, you know, I, I deal, Cliff, for example, calls me at crazy hours to say, oh, this bluefin just landed. How much of it do you want? Oh, it's a one, it's a two. Um, and and I, I, I live for those phone calls, right? Um, our soft shell crab farmer literally lives uh, 10 minutes down the street and just turned his tanks on so can't wait for those to start rolling. But in regard to the, to the guys in the kitchen, I give them the freedom to play with the food. So I'll paint an outline and say, fill it in, right? And then we sit down, taste it, look at it, and say, hey, how can we utilize this dish, grow from this dish, or scratch it and start all over? So uh, the freedom is what we give the cooks, right, to help create the menu so that they feel like they have ownership over parts of it and that we all grow together. Tell me about the customer's reaction. How has Madisonville, Mandeville, and Covington responded to this uh, new Chifunctas? In the beginning, it was a little rocky. Um, they would come in and they, they might have thought that it was too upscale for them. It, and on their first time, you know, we've, we've never had a food or beverage issue. They've always loved dining here, but, you know, they, they're a little taken back by the decor and, and the fact that it's sitting on the Trafuncta River in, in, in Madisonville. But it's all kind of fallen by the wayside. People are thrilled to come. They can't wait to come. And uh, all we do is try to give them the best possible experience while they're here. Um, you know, we didn't build the restaurant to one-up any one person or any one thing. We just kind of gave an area of the community something that it seemed like it needed, right? So uh, we're happy with the response that we're getting. The restaurant stays very busy, and uh, we can't wait to see what the future holds with it. That was Michael Gottlieb, executive chef of Chifunctas and the Anchor in Madisonville, Louisiana. Coming up next, we learn about one of the happiest places north of Lake Pontchartrain that serves up a mean crab meat grilled cheese sandwich, Liz's Where Yat Diner. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways, Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Crystal Hot Sauce, made with three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce, how New Orleans does flavor. (music) 
Everybody needs a little love sometimes, and there's one place on the North Shore where that love is served with every bite. Liz's Where Yet Diner in the heart of Old Mandeville is a colorfully decorated feel-good breakfast and lunch spot that locals have been flocking to since 2009. From painting palm trees and peace signs on the wall to dressing servers in tie-dyed shirts, owner Liz Munson has done everything to make her restaurant a welcoming, happy place. We spoke with Liz to get the full story beginning with her first foray into the food biz. I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. I grew up in Lake Vista. Way back when um, I was uh, at the age of 12, 13, 14, and I remember telling my parents I wanted a job. And they said, you want a job? I said, yes, I want to go work with some people. And they said, well, go, go find a job. Well, I went to Foxy Ball Snowball Stand. And I said, I want to make snowballs. So I had a job at Foxy Ball Snowball. And that's when I came home and I said, Mama and Daddy, I love working with the public. I went to college for six months. I came home and I worked. My dad said, you sure you want to work and not go to school? I said, nope, I want to go to work. And that's when I started in the retail industry and got all of my customer service from that. And I knew I loved the business and I knew what people wanted. And they wanted just back to basics food. And they needed a place to come to, to laugh and get love, feel the love. And that's really what my diner is all about. When you walk in the door at Where You At Diner, you know that you have arrived someplace. Let's talk about the ambiance there. It feels like you're at the beach. You walk in and you feel like you're at the beach. I have signs all over the walls, um, peace, love, and saints. Um, I'm all about a positive vibe in my building. I'm all about having fun. Have fun. Come and have breakfast, but have an experience with it. Rock on with the music. If you want to get up and dance, dance. You want to come in your pajamas? Come in your pajamas. I don't care. Just come in. Come in and get the love, baby. That's why I'm here. Yeah, and, and, and where are you? You're at the where yet. Now, how did you where yet? <laughs> it seems like a no-brainer now that, of course, that's the name of the diner. But how did you come across that name? Well, you can tell I'm a little bit of a yet, huh? And I didn't want to go Liz's Cafe. I just I knew I needed to get my personality in it. And all of a sudden, I was like, where you at? I was like, wait a minute. Liz, where you at? This is where you at diner. I was like, there you go. That's the name. And that's the truth. Yep. Well, I'd say that the diner part is almost a misnomer because your food is really elevated beyond what your usual diner experience is. It's authentic. It's real. And it's delicious. The Debris Benedict, Crab au gratin, things you wouldn't expect to see on a diner menu. I know. It, it, it really, the menu, I, I found my first menu when I opened up the other day. And wow, it was so tiny. It was so tiny. And it just grew. And we, do, we did everything as specials. And I could not take it off the menu. The customers would come back for it. If it wasn't back every day or every other day, it was every weekend. 
And it was like, okay, they would be upset. You, you took the debris branding off. We loved it. Well, then it grew and it grew. And that's how it really started growing. This all goes very simple. My motto is keep it simple, stupid. I literally will think of things. I will go to my chef and I'll say, put this together for me. And that is how we do it. And it's such yummy stuff. My goodness. How in the world can you explain an Oreo explosion waffle? It's the waffle with white chocolate chips, chocolate chips that's in the waffle. And then there's an Oreo sauce that they make with crushed Oreos in the cream. And they drizzle it all over it. Then they top it off with whipped cream and crushed Oreos. And after the kids eat it, they're like, wow. <laughs> How'd you come up with that one? They all did that. They all did in the back because they said, let's come up with some kind of Oreo waffle. That, that's been everybody being creative and it's a team and everybody having fun with things, you know, even through the hairy and the, the tough times, you know, you know, we can all come together at one and but we work together as a team and to me that's the most important thing for a restaurant to work out is there's no front of the house or back of the house we are a circle we are a team well you hit some bumps in the road you were getting all this incredible national publicity the attention from people magazine and travel and leisure you got a packed house and then the thing that i think scares everybody happens a fire. What happened? On Tuesday, June 11th, 2019, I got a phone call. I was actually sitting down at my diner with my insurance guy. And we literally were writing up the thing. And I forgot to check at home. I said, let me run right home two minutes away. I got a phone call from one of my managers, Miss Liz, the diner's on fire. Got in my car, got up here and the diner was on fire. I saw the smoke from a uh, stop when I was at a traffic light and I just looked up in the ceiling, I saw black smoke and I just said, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. Whatever it is, I'm coming back. I'm not finished yet. For two months I couldn't stop crying because I realized, I finally said, what is going on? And I realized how much these people, these customers of mine in this community loved me supported me they pulled me through and when i realized that day in my backyard at my house going what is going on i've been crying for two months i heard you're missing your people this is part of the deal you're missing your people and when we opened up our doors on september 23rd you could not get in <laughs> we did a stop we did a silent opening and all of a sudden some friends at the bar were sitting there and we said, let's post it on Facebook. Well, they posted it on Facebook and all of a sudden I'm going, what is happening? Why are we so busy? I thought this was a soft opening and it just drove people kept coming in and we hadn't stopped. We have not stopped. And then COVID hit and the same thing. We haven't stopped. How, how has that worked out for you? How has that changed things? Well, you know, Poppy, I needed to get real creative real quick. On March 16th, I was actually in a meeting and I literally looked at the people I was in a meeting with and I said, you know what, this can wait. I got to go save my way yet. And I got, I got signs in front of my restaurant. I got this place to drive through immediately and everybody's looking at me and I'm going, let's go. We got to do something. This is it tomorrow, drive through. Let's get all internet ordering right. And I had got, 
it was amazing. I didn't skip a beat. I mean, it took a couple of weeks to catch on, but it was like that community just kept coming around. And as long as I made myself aware, I had balloons, I had palm trees in pots to let everybody know I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. So that's where I'm at now. You can't kill crabgrass, Poppy. You know, you can't. You got to keep on rolling, baby. <laughs> Pick up the pieces and keep rolling. My goodness, Liz, you're open seven days a week. When do you get any rest? Well, I um, <laughs> do my best uh, to get the rest. Um, I do go home. I have a fabulous crew that backs me up. They do push me out of the building and say, okay, it's time for you to go. And it's time for you to try to go get some sleep and come back the next morning. That is really where I, I had to get an assistant to sort of direct me into um, getting away from the building because I, I'm, I'm glued here and I, I do have to shut my eyes every now and then, you know, but um, it's so much more than a diner. It's about coming in here and feeling the love and feeling the kindness and trying to change the world one day at a time. That was Liz Munson of Liz's Where Yat Diner on New Orleans North Shore in Mandeville. Last year, Liz expanded the diner to include Liz's back porch with sliders and daiquiris added to her menu. To learn more, visit Liz'sWhereYatDiner.com. When there's a hint of fall in the air, North Shore residents bust out their lederhosen and beat a path to Middendorf's restaurant to celebrate an Oktoberfest only Chef Horst Pfeiffer could possibly throw, complete with German music, food, and fun. Horst launched the annual tradition in 2008 in the Manshack, Louisiana swamp, where the original Middendorf's is located. Since opening a second Middendorf's in Slidell in 2019, the Oktoberfest celebration has expanded to include both locations, with festivities wrapping up this year on November 11th. When we spoke with Chef Horst, he explained that he was inspired to start the tradition when he saw a need for it on the North Shore. Punch Tula used to have a big Oktoberfest, and it's disappeared. So I felt like me being German, Owning Middendorf's the German name. I feel I legally had the right to start an Oktoberfest. So we started it and we did uh, started with two weeks and now we're up to six weeks. And every week we change the menu. Different appetizers and entree and desserts. We go on from a Schlachtblatt. That's like the sauerkraut with the roasted potatoes, smoked pork rack, pork belly, bratwurst uh, with a black forest cake. We have like a sauerbraten with Spätzle and Rotkraut and Apfelstrudel. And uh, for appetizers, we have like Maultaschen, that's like a big ravioli. We have like a fesh patella, we have a schinken teller, we have Wurstsalat. So we have all these wonderful dishes and a large collection of beer with it. Some people come every week, don't they? Yes, we have a wonderful following. People come every week. And, you know, 
he always sit at home and say, where are we going to eat? Well, our German food. So they come to Middendorf, so our German food. But we have our regular menu, too, for the people who want the thin-fried catfish. It's not like only German food. So we have our regular menu from 10.30 in the morning till 9 at night, plus the Oktoberfest food on top. The celebration is truly a family affair. Some recipes Horst prepares comes from his mother, who often traveled to Louisiana to help out. But one person who really gets the party rolling is Horst's brother Heinz, who comes all the way from Germany to participate. Heinz is an accordion player, so he holds forth in the dining room, where he's often mistaken for his brother. Heinz, uh, he's the entertainer. He's here, so when people want to talk to the German guy, I send Heinz there. They always think it's me anyway, or whatever, my dad. And there's so much, he has like a little fan club here that people like to talk to him and everything. And it's so neat uh, to see it. Him being here with me, uh, it's great during this time, how we balance off the ideas and he helps me decorate it and everything. And then he starts making music. So he's out there since my goal is this to make the best effort to make sure it's as authentic as possible for me to be in the kitchen with the girls and do it right. So tell me about some of the butcher work that you learned how to do from your brother, and I guess perhaps he learned from your father that you're recreating for us here in the United States. Well, you know, when we grew up, I grew up on a small farm in Germany, on a small village, 150 people. Everybody had had two, three cows and a pig and everything. And twice a year, you slaughtered a pig. So you had to go out there. Your dad killed the pig. You had to stir the blood to make the blood boudin. You have to help clean it and cook it and chop it up and uh, grind the meat. And he showed you how to make the liver sausage, the boudin, the bratwurst, how to cut the pork belly to cure it so it's roasted, how to cure the pork rack. And then we smoked it, uh, you know, for a week. We had this chimney where we had certain wood in there and don't make it too hot, don't make it too cold and everything. And we smoked it and we lived off this. That's what it was. And everything in our dinner table was from our farm, either from the animals or what we grow in our garden. If it makes red beet salad, we had everything there we made. We harvest the apples, we pressed them, we made our apple wine. And I mean, everything was from our farm. And so you know, it's like here with gumbo. You go around the corner, there's a different recipe. Same with German potato salad. Everybody has a little bit of their own little recipe. So there's nothing secret. Uh, but, you know, we use a little bit different spices. We use more nutmeg. We use, my mom makes this cucumber salad, and she puts sour cream and dill on it. Uh, we make our potato salad. You know, we put a little broth in there, serve at room temperature, and we put a little bit mustard in there and stuff like this. And, uh, you know, you can't buy it. And so we're going to do it. It's a lot of intensive handwork, but I also know that you are so particular about your ingredients. It's quite a job every year to source the right pickles, to source the right mustard. Tell me how long it takes you to really prepare every year for Oktoberfest. You know, we're planning actually uh, starting in March, since you have to tell the importer about the beer. You know, they have to place the order to get it in in August. And uh, we do have, uh, you know, we have a selection of seven, eight different beers. And I try to have a bright range. I've definitely some uh, three, four Oktoberfest, but also I want a darker one and a wheat beer for some people want it. We have by Stefan, we have Franciscana, we have Paulana, we have Warstan. So give them a nice little selection and try to match up with some of the dishes. 
Um, now, you don't have those big, heavy beer steins like they do in Germany. That that would be a little much for your customers, huh? Yeah, it would be a little bit uh, a little bit too much. Yes, for folks who haven't been there, that's quite an athletic feat. Just just drinking one. How much do they weigh individually? I would have weighed probably five pounds with uh, when you have the beer stein with full with the beer. You know, there's two and a half pounds of liquid in there and two and a half, three pounds of uh, glass. Uh, when you go to the October, not drinking is the easy part. I tell one thing. I have some friends that work at the Oktoberfest for the 17 days. They're working from day to night. They take their vacation and they work there. And they're schlepping. I think the record is like 18 steins like this. Oh, you know, nine in each hand, and they go onto the table and put them down there, and it's amazing when you see them. Well, it just makes your Oktoberfest at Middendorf's, both in Manchac and in Slidell, all the more special to know that you're pulling it off right here in the swamps. We're pulling it off, and another nice thing is since, you know, we, if you do it only once a year, my waitresses, they get dressed up, my kitchen girls are excited about cooking something different, but we ha all have to work together. You know, the most exciting thing during this whole Oktoberfest, besides the people, how they enjoy it, what makes me proud of, normally October, November is real kind of was slow business in the swamp in Manchac. And now our October and two weeks in November with Oktoberfest, it makes their girls money to get ready for the holiday season, for Christmas is coming. And it gives every day probably 10 to 12 people a job. So I think me putting it on, I think it will bring some people out there to get a little bit something different. You won't believe how festive it's looked with our waiters is dressed up, bartenders dressed up, but also a lot of people who have a little bit German heritage bring out their lederhosen and their dirndl and they come to Middendorf with uh, being dressed up. It's so wonderful. Oh, it sounds like such a great time. I just want to wish you all the success in the world doing Oktoberfest. <laughs> it will be wonderful and a brush to everybody, and hopefully I see him in Manchac or Slidell for the Oktoberfest. Thank you, Horace. Brust. That was Chef Horst Pfeiffer of Middendorf's. There are two days left to celebrate Oktoberfest at either of the restaurant's North Shore locations, Wednesday, November 10th, and Thursday, November 11th. You can learn more by visiting middendorfsrestaurant.com. Where was Louisiana's ozone belt, and how did it get that name? Stay tuned, and we'll answer that question when we come right back. Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, 
breadings, boils, new air fry mixes, and more classic Louisiana dishes available everywhere. Let's all Louisiana. And from the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, located 40 miles north of New Orleans French Quarter along the shores of Lake Pontchartrain. This fall includes many outdoor festivals, the weekend beats and eats, and upcoming holiday events. The delicious Tammany taste culinary scene and abundance of soft adventure attractions are among the many reasons to love the North Shore's charming communities. Find details on upcoming events, itinerary suggestions, and more at louisiananorthshore.com. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Where was Louisiana's ozone belt, and how did it get that name? Throughout the late 19th and early 20th centuries, St. Tammany and the surrounding North Shore parishes were often referred to as the ozone belt. Yellow fever and other ills plagued New Orleans every summer, and residents fled across the lake, believing that the pine forests, artesian wells, and believe it or not, frequent lightning storms all contributed to the ozone, which was perceived to be healthy. There were places to rest and take the cure, like Ozonia Rest Home. Pearl Rivers Ozone Springs Hotel, and the popular Ozone Belt Hotel in Abita Springs. This notion continued right until the late part of the 20th century, when it was discovered that ozone is bad for you and can actually cause all sorts of respiratory issues. What had long been mistaken for ozone was actually terpene, a gas given off by pine trees and other evergreens. You know that wonderful scent. Maybe the terpene belt wouldn't have been quite as catchy. In any case, there are still lots of North Shore pine forests perfect for hiking and breathing in that fresh, healthy terpene scent. Head to the North Shore for a big whiff of it today. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats. There's a cavern in a pine, hidden in the wildwood, wrapping on its sack of vine. Well, the moon is always shining, shining on my cabin in the pine, oh there's a sweetheart in the pine Writing you a letter I can read between the lines, baby Back in 2019, long before the pandemic occurred, Sarah and Billy Rieger were thrilled to finally have the chance to open their very own restaurant. The hard-working, ambitious young couple began their culinary careers on a food truck in Sarah's home country of Canada, where they found an audience 
hungry for Billy's authentic Louisiana Eats. Billy had learned from the best, having spent time working with Chef Frank Brightston and other Louisiana luminaries. Once settled on the North Shore, the small restaurant, located right on the Tammany Trace, provided the perfect setting for the family restaurant they'd always dreamed of. North Shore diners loved them. It was a dream come true until COVID-19 turned their world and everyone else's upside down. We spoke with Sarah and Billy just weeks prior to their business closing. Sarah and I met through mutual friends um, at a crew de vous ball. It was January of 2008. And after our meeting there, we became friends for a couple of years and then started dating. And this opportunity was presented to her in British Columbia, Canada to pretty much move to the middle of nowhere and run some ferry terminals. And um, me being head over heels in love, said, okay, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Never lived outside of the great state of Louisiana and decided to move to Powell River, British Columbia, where you have to take two boats to get to it. So uh, during that time, Billy wasn't able to work. So he was at home cooking these amazing meals for me and then well then we got married and cooking amazing meals while I was pregnant with Eloise um, but eventually what we did is we opened up a food truck in British Columbia and it was called a streetcar named New Orleans <laughs> and we just thought it was the greatest thing ever we bought this this uh hunk of junk from the states and billy drove it back with his dad on the jump seat the whole entire way back but we brought real new orleans cuisine to victoria and I, and people loved our truck and friends and, yeah. and it, was, it was a great experience we, we did that for almost two years up in, in british columbia yeah. So we were uh, walking through um, Chinatown one day and uh, Billy turned to me and said, Sarah, we are Southern people. And something about that sentence um, started a conversation where we ended up picking up and selling our truck and moving to New Orleans to open a restaurant. I was very, very, very homesick. <laughs> We um, spent a year looking for restaurant space. We had our third baby and like a lot of families ended up moving to the North Shore for all the great schools. And we built our house two blocks from here. And as we were um, building, this property came up. Um, it was Easter. Oh my gosh, it was Easter. And yeah, and it was raining and we saw this listing. We ran over here in the rain and walked through it uh it had a big kitchen and we were like yes we'll take it so it what was, was the place when it you was found a snowball it? stand <laughs> but it had a full kitchen well the crazy thing is is that we decided we were like oh uh we want to take this place but we're like well where's everybody gonna sit we made a restaurant space and what is so serendipitous is that we put in this glass garage door not realizing that a few weeks after we opened that was how we were going to show that we were open and greet our new customers because they couldn't actually come inside yeah i think we had it maybe nine weeks at the mo and then shut down wow 
Yeah, I mean, we just had to roll with the punches. Um, it was, I'll never forget it. It was Friday the 13th, uh, March 13th. We were preparing for a concert right out here on the trailhead. Um, and I still haven't experienced one because we're so new to the Mandeville area. But from what I hear, there's people everywhere, music. Um, so we were preparing for that. You know, we had all of our, we had our daiquiri machines as full as they could be. We had pots of jambalaya ready. You know, we, we were ready for a party. And the, the concert was canceled that day at noon. And we had to rethink things. So we opened our garage door the, the next week and just started serving to go through that window, really. Well, I, you know, I think the thing with COVID was that there was a lot of hope. Right. There was a lot of hope that it was going to be a short period of time and that we were going to all just do what we needed to do as a community of people. And that in a couple of weeks or a month or a couple of months, we were going to get right back to normal really quickly. Yeah. And we even changed our hours through this. We were open for lunch and dinner. Now breakfast and lunch um, just kind of had to, as everyone says, pivot. And, and change it up, you know. We opened for dinner for a particular period of time. We had a, a real focus on some menu items that we've had to like put on the, you know, on the back burner. So really, we're just ready for all of it to just open up, you know, all of those possibilities. We have built a, a customer base that can't wait for a Thursday night pop-up at Rieger's on the Trace. and. And they just instinctively know there's going to be great wine and great music and, you know, all of those things. We live in a great community. And even for the small amount of time that we have been here, we really have made so many great new friends. There's just this, there's a great community. And they've really embraced us during COVID, for sure. We feel very loved. That was Sarah and Billy Rieger, formerly of Rieger's on the Trace. Sadly, despite all their extraordinary efforts, the restaurant did not survive, closing in late spring of this year. The former Rieger's location is now home to Chef Jeff Matea's new restaurant, Pyre Barbecue, a good reason to stop by when you're on the Trace. But there was a silver lining in the Rieger's dark cloud. Without the demands of the restaurant, this past summer found the Rieger family traveling the U.S. in their RV, racking up irreplaceable time with their two young children. Today, the Riegers continue to work together, concentrating on Sarah's booming real estate business, along with a major new renovation project they're spearheading on an Annunciation Street property in New Orleans. The bottom line for the Riegers is more family time, something which they both agree is priceless. You can learn more by visiting sarahrieger.com.
that's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats. Edible content for Louisiana food lovers. The rollicking fun at Tujac's continues this fall with special holiday-themed drag queen brunches taking place on the last Sunday of every month. Reservations are available for November 28th and December 26th. Drag queen brunch is guaranteed to be the perfect antidote to any holiday blues. Learn more by calling the restaurant at 504 525-8676. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where we have 10 years of Louisiana Eats editions available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. If you like our show, please rate it on your preferred podcast platform. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Camellia Brand Beans, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, and from D'Agostino Pasta. Handcrafted in Louisiana from semolina wheat and air-dried over rods in wooden cellars, D'Agostino pasta is made just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Support for Louisiana Eats also comes from Gulf Coast Blenders. For more than 30 years, Gulf Coast Blenders has produced custom spice and dry blends for restaurant concepts across the country. Gulf Coast Blenders, dry ingredient blends with New Orleans roots. To learn more, visit gulfcoastblenders.com. Original theme music composed by David Pomerlo and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner and producer and special projects manager Reggie Morris and to our business manager and social media maven Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting. 